Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homey. I'm your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. The Business Creators Radio Show takes you into the field to those places where you have those aha moments and mastermind meetings that bring you closer to serving from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. And you may hear ambient noises in the background as we conduct these interviews from those types of places. We don't have a $25,000 soundproof Hollywood studio. And we advise if you have one to get out of there because that's not where the creativity, that's not where the brilliance, and that's not where the passion occur. Now, for today... We are going to be covering the topic of, some might say, claim your inner warrior. I like to say claim your inner badass. This is going to be interesting. So uh, we have somebody here who I think is going to really energize you to think about your relationships, your habits, how to transform failure and grief into growth of all different types how to live with greater confidence. We have so many great things that we're going to share with you today. And to guide us down that path, we have with us Kate McKay, who is the CEO of Sienna Strategy Partners and a certified high-performance success coach and business strategist. She's an international best-selling author, transformational speaker, athlete, podcaster, and multi-million dollar business owner who's passionate to help others achieve a greater life of confidence courage, and clarity of purpose is what inspires her. She's been inspired on Bloomberg, Fox, excuse me, interviewed on Bloomberg, Fox Business News, NASDAQ, and PBS. She's written for Entrepreneur Family Circle and was also a monthly columnist for the Daily News for eight years. And she has recently published her newest book, which is called Claim Your Inner Warrior, which joins her bestseller, Claim Your Inner Badass, which is either up for release or has been released, depending on when you're tuning in. And, whoa, with all that, Kate McKay, come on in. The weather's fine. Hey there. I am so glad. I love your enthusiasm, and I cannot wait to add some really pointed and fun value to your listeners. Let's get after it. I'm not sure I'm worthy to be here, and uh, this is my (laughs) show. I mean, uh, wow. Uh, So, uh Before we begin, what we like to do, and I know you have a bit of a backstory here, we touched on this briefly in the green room, is I read off the official bio, that's great, but what we like to do is pull back the curtain, have you tell us a bit in your own words, something about your journey that's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion? Absolutely. Well, I oftentimes explain my my zaniness but but just merely saying that I'm one of nine children and I think that says a lot 
Um, yeah. I also, uh, people are very curious about, Kate, how do you have so much energy? How do you get so much done? How have you been so successful? Well, the brilliance was paved in many, many failures based on my uh, diagnosis of ADHD, but not until the age of 43. So I grew up always feeling as though I was too loud, too big, too this, too that, until I realized that this too two, two, two was actually the ticket to my success. And really my life really transformed when I, once I realized that the brilliance was ADHD and not a dysfunction. So that was really when things turned around for me in a big way. Right, right, right. So that's, and I think that a lot of what we find ourselves manifesting, what we find ourselves doing is influenced by things that we learn or have imprinted upon us when we're very young. Absolutely. And sometimes really wonderful things and then sometimes not so wonderful. And I think that I believe in the resiliency of the human spirit. And I have had some really heavy hits in this lifetime around, but I still, as Les Brown says, you know, if life knocks you on your back, you know, make sure to land that way, because if you can look up, you can get up. And that is has been my my motto through the loss of my brother in 1987. And then the tragic mm -hmm. loss, unfortunately, of my incredible son, William, in 2017. Yay. So, you know, we hear also a lot about the need for self-care and that there's a stigma around men even pursuing their well-being mm, and, I'm, and, and, and and then there's various areas we can look at we can look at the mental the physical and the emotional but i believe the emotional is a big piece of it uh i i mean we Absolutely. could go so many different places with this well but you know, I know what i would guys. say what I love about what you said is that even the word self-care is sort of like cornered by the women's market. You know, it's like self-care means you're getting a mani-pedi or a massage or something. I like to look at when I have, I coach a lot of men and I've been gifted with the opportunity to, to work with a lot of men in my work. And I like to look at it as a tripod, which is self-care as being an element of it. But what about self-respect and self-honor? So those are very different thematics. And what does that mean if we're self-honoring and self-respecting? That has a different vibe. And I think that's really important for men. Um, you know, they're, they are different than women. Thank God they're different. And I like to support the differences and encourage the differences by allowing men to express all elements of who they are in the language that they choose and not be, I know this is a little revolutionary coming from a woman, but not to feminize men, which I think in our culture, we have done an extraordinary disservice. And um, so I'm pretty adamant about that. And that's right why I wrote Claim Your Inner Warrior. I mean, I'm a gym rat. I've been in the gym since I was 21. Um, you know, I lost a brother young and I lost a son. And so I'm extremely passionate about helping men language who they are and um, be able to communicate their needs, which is even to even bring that up is a strange thing for men, um, to be able to define them and describe them and then articulate them in a way that's really powerful and ennobling to them. I, I think it's really incredible work and I love what I do for sure. What do you see as some of the challenges in this area? 
So many. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think that, no, because I think we can look at it from the cultural standpoint. So we have two ways that we go at freedom. And ultimately, right. one of them is that we go at freedom by pushing against social oppression, right? That's one way, right? I'm personal development coach, business development. So there is one part of us, and men are really good at that. I, you, I'm going to retain my freedom, you know, freedom of speech, freedom of, right? We push against that. But, you know, ultimately, the real loss of freedom in the slavery is in the basis of how we uh, prevent our own personal freedom by lack of reflection on who we are internally. Freedom is an internal working uh, ver um, journey, really. And ultimately, it comes down to asking powerful questions. Men need to feel safe in order to um, express who they are. And there is a, this a, a world that hasn't shown men what it means to be safe in communication because their language and the way they communicate, even and especially around grief and loss um, is negated. Yeah, I, you, you know, and uh, it's, I remember myself receiving so much messaging that any expression of any feeling whatsoever was somehow wrong. Mm. It either, it either depend, depending, depending on uh, which so-called authority figure is trying to lord it over me. Uh, it was either a sign of weakness or a sign of me failing to own responsibility for myself. Hundred percent. Were, right? were, were the were the two messages that were given right. to me? Some somehow somehow uh, I was expected to always be positive and and for somehow my sense of my interests were somehow to always just magically align with uh those of certain adults who felt that they had some authority over me which right. so you know, you, even then right. i felt laughable exactly so they're that other people's jurisdiction over you but and that's the external right that's what i was yeah. talking about but what are we using for tools to be able to get investigate the internal freedom and if we're limiting in such a, a narrow focus of where men can express themselves sexually through work, those are cool in our society. But if we give men language and let men communicate in the way that they choose to, that maybe doesn't sound all neat and tidy, it's okay. And we need to allow men to be in the mess too. We allow women to be in the mess, but men also need to be in a space where they can say, hey, I don't know. I just need to chill out. This is what I need right now. I need you just to listen or I don't want to talk about it. Just give me a few minutes. We need to teach self-advocacy. And if we offend people by speaking our needs, that's not our problem, men and women, right? It, it's just, it's it's honestly, I wrote one article um, that's really the center article in Claim Your Inner Warrior. And it was like how men express grief and loss. And I wrote that article yeah. after my son passed because this is what happens. After when men lose someone, they often go inward and they don't talk where women, they reach out and they make friends and they're all oh my boo, -boo right? They are able to communicate the loss. They have support system. Men don't have that same thing happen. So if their wife dies, men lose oftentimes their whole emotional experience, particularly for older men. So what yeah. are we doing as a disservice? And so after I wrote that article and it was like, basically like, here are the steps that how men are different in grief and loss. They experience it the same, but it looks different. Don't expect them to behave in ways that are normal, maybe for women, right? Maybe they just want you to just send them a text and say, hey, I'm, dude, I'm just thinking about you. That's enough. That's enough. 
right? So it may look different, but we must honor the process and honor each other in the unique way that we express our emotional experience. And if we find it gruff or we've, that's a, that's a judgment. And I think it's really important that we move away from that so that we can save men because men right now, it's like the mental health issues, men are getting left behind, uh, suicide rates, including my son. I'm very passionate about this because listen, if we make men warriors and badasses, that helps everyone that helps women. So I view this as a service for women <laughs> that if we can make men more articulate and how they speak about themselves. And again, we're going to go back to those three words, self-care. Yeah. Okay. How about self-respect and self-honor? How does that make you feel right behind every warrior behind every shield of a warrior is a heart. We cannot be warriors without connected into our emotional experience. We cannot. Yeah. Of, you know, I I'm looking for something here. Just to give me a second. I know I saw it just a moment ago, but basically, it's it's expressing a meme. But I think it's very powerful, and it just goes through this whole list of. Oh, here it is. I found I found it. Okay, so uh, this is uh, this is a meme that was uh, posted by a friend of mine just yesterday, and I think it encapsulates some of the issues that men face and some of the labels that get placed upon them. So here, I'm going to read through it. And I want to get your thoughts on all this. Okay. So if a man shares criticism, he's a misogynist. If a man <laughs> expresses frustration, he's an incel. If a man expresses anger, he's fragile. If a man expresses sadness, he's weak. If a man expresses emotions other than happiness, it's emotional labor. If a man <laughs> shares no emotions at all, it's toxic man masculinity. And it concludes by saying there's no winning as a man. True story. That's absolutely true. And that's not men complaining. That's actually their reality. That's their reality, people. And if that's where we think that's the best way to help men and to build a strong culture, I mean, I'm in personal development. I'm in the excellence game, okay? We cannot be excellent without our emotional experience. We need, as you mentioned earlier, intellectual, the mental, the emotional, the physical, and the spiritual. We need to be connected in in some way. I don't care if it's nature. I don't care if it's God, Allah, whatever. We need to be tapped in to the inner peace, the inner knowingness that things are going to be okay. That I view as a spiritual center. We can view it any way we want, but don't we all want to feel that sense of peace and safety and, and in oneness in some way? We need to be able to look in internally in order to find that the freedom is the journey within ultimately. Yeah. Uh, so how does this translate for, for women? So let's, uh, yeah, I think it's worth it to compare the two because we have this interplanetary thing going on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, like I said, if, if we can teach and help and support men to be more articulate about around what their needs are, let me say to you, that it's going to shift things because I believe that in many ways, and I raised three children and I saw what happens is that a lot of men are, are parented. Um, they're parented by their wives. They're parented by our culture. Like that, even in our sitcoms, just watch the sitcoms of what, you know, guys are always like the buffoon, like, Oh, they're all the same. Right. That is a simplification that is offensive. Um, right. So I think that it's going to require women to understand that they need to open up their own sense of intimacy 
because what's happened is it's been a power structure where women uh-huh. are sort of in this power role a little bit. And I think we need to realize, I'm telling you, I work a lot with women in intimacy issues, with women who don't know how to express their needs because they've been brought up in a culture that they have to be like men. So it's just, it's extremely twisted. And why can't we just honor each other as human beings and honor that there is differences in the way we communicate and expand the horizon of authentic conversation? It really comes down to that. Yeah. I and, and this is all really, to me, very frustrating in so many ways to the point where I'm even looking for a valid jumping in point to really dive into this conversation <laughs> anecdotally because so much I just floats it. around out there. And many, and, and many of our episodes, I cover the correlation between childhood experiences and how we function as adults and a theme that has come up for me in particular again and again uh, as I was being raised is I was classified as gifted when I was in first grade. Uh, They determined that I was so advanced in the first grade that they promoted me to the second grade right in the middle of the year. And they did a big ceremony to do it too. So do you know what happened? You know what happened to my uh, emotional and social development for like the rest of my childhood as a result of that? Yeah, well, well, I think that there is that whole trauma response, like when you're a child and what is conditioned and raised, yeah. what is raised, right? So it's like all of a sudden you're classified as gifted, and you probably just super freaking curious, right? That it you goes, were able it to, goes you, further. Yeah, it goes but, further. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead. Tell me more. Yeah. Um, so then I had to deal with two conflicting things that were directly at odds with, with each other is uh, number one, um, I was constantly accused of perfectionism to the point where people say, well, yeah, and there's you has to be Mr. Perfect. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll, we'll fuck that first off. And right. then on the other hand, God forbid that I'm less than perfect in anything. It means I must be no good at anything. Uh, mm. Dealing dealing with mathematical subjects, however, not only was I not really suited for it, not much good at it, I was pushed into advanced classes where I didn't belong, could mm. not function, and uh, and it was used as the basis of a narrative that I was actually stupid mm. and that I didn't deserve to be in advanced classes in any other topics because I was no good at mathematics. Uh, I was, I was even told that I should just forget about college and should think about working in fast food my whole life. Hmm. Good Lord. So talk about yeah. mixed messages. Yeah. So, th- so we so have what that. Was your and, and journey gonna... to find that voice then for you. Well, and there's, and there's more to, and there's more to it. I believe that I got classified as gifted as a result of homeschooling. And here's the story behind mm-hmm. that. When I was very young, it uh, I had some disease that caused me to go deaf. And this wasn't discovered until I had already gone way longer than I should have before saying any words. Mm. So they did a surgery that corrected the problem by about 70%. I'll never have perfect hearing in my life. 70% is about the best I could get. And uh, because I was so behind in my development between me getting that fixed and entering kindergarten, 
my mother taught me how to read, write, and do mathematics up to the number 100, even before kindergarten. Right. So by the time I entered kindergarten, I already knew everything they were going to teach me there. Uh, I mean, she even brought me coloring books where I learned the names of the dinosaurs. Yeah, right. Exactly. So you were just super curious. That's essentially, that's essentially what it was. And, uh, and I candidly don't believe that I, I believe that my IQ might be 10 points higher than the average person's. And that's just how it comes out. But I don't, candidly don't believe I'm any sort of genius. I believe I was a beneficiary of superior education early on right. and was not matched by a consistent delivery of same. I believe, oh, the exactly. quality, I believe the quality of the education went way down once I entered the educational system. Yes, that's classic, right? Curiosity is, is smushed and look that you're a perfect example of that. Yeah, so... Um, Finding my voice. Wow. This, uh, this, yeah, I love look these. What you I, do, right? I love these episodes. Yeah, I love these episodes because I get to be on the, uh, I get to be, uh, get to turn the tables here a little bit. So uh, let's see. Fi- finding my voice was a real challenge. And this is a combination of the conflicting messages, the expectations placed upon me as quote unquote a man. Uh, and uh, there's another layer that comes into it. Since my very early childhood, I have lived with extreme trypanophobia. For those of us, for those of you who don't know what that is, that's the thing where you have uh, fear of hypodermic needles. Basically, uh, that's not something that you grow out of, or that you can just "quote unquote" man your way through or woman mm-hmm. your way through. Mm-hmm. When the trypanic trypanophobic reaction to the possibility of having your skin punctured sets upon you. It is an overwhelming involuntary thing that involves seeing your vision go white as you clam up. And this is because your throat is literally constricting and cutting off blood flow to your brain. Yes. So it's not a matter of if you might pass out. It's a matter of, are you going to be somewhere where you're not going to fall and bang your head when it happens? Right. It's not, it's not a matter of your age or your maturity level or your bravery. It's something you find mechanisms around. So what I, so I discovered there are, I think part of it is, of me finding my voice to assert boundaries comes through this process. And when I did work around this through hypnotherapy, uh, regression exercises, it turns out, although there seems to be a couple questions on fine points that this all come this all basically comes down to a situation when I was probably about six or seven years old and our so-called family doctor um, had his assistant physically shove me face first in the exam table and then deliberately jam a needle into me as hard as possible while saying I don't have time for fucking little wusses like you mm-hmm. pleasant yeah pleasant. now now uh now uh I have people in my family, uh, three of them so far, who I've spoken with about this, who all say that if if they had if he had tried that in their presence, they would have punched him in the face. But the funny thing is, they were all in the room when it happened. Oof. Mm. So there's also the reaction formation of they may be consciously not remembering this or going through the process of blocking the memory because, and I understand this empathetically. It's a place where they failed me and they don't want to feel they failed. 
Sure. So I, so I don't, so I don't, so, so I don't have any resentment over that. I recognize it's part of the human condition. Uh, now, beyond that, I see that this was just some. Candidly, he was, he was just an asshole. And, uh, and, I, and I find it interesting that he later went on to commit suicide, and I wonder the reasons why. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, 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 oh, right, it's just that, what, and that was lack of freedom within, you know? Yeah. But so what, so what, what brought you to this day that yeah, you well, can actually tell that story and be on the story and not in the story, right? Right, right, I'm getting there, right, I'm getting there. So, so I had, you know, many other instances of having trap trapanic phobic reactions, seeing uh, seeing videos of heart surgeries, uh, uh, you know, blood and violence on television. Uh, it got to the point where it got so bad that I couldn't hit, even have my blood pressure taken. So, mm -hmm. and part of the process of discovering what caused all this also led to a discovery of what were some of the circumstances? I remember being uh, with a hypnotherapist, and she uh, took and she actually took out a hypodermic needle from her drawer and tapped me on the arm with it and asked me if I was uh, feeling woozy. I told her absolutely not, and the reason why is because I had absolutely no belief whatsoever she was going to try and jab it in me. <laughs> right. So that's so that's a process of narrowing it down. Uh, right. I felt, I mean, just the fact that the needle was there meant nothing to me because she was not qualified to put that in me. She, that was not the purpose of our visit. And uh, it would have been, in many ways, just an incredible violation if she would have tried anything like that. And she's not the type of person who would. So what I worked out with her is something I've used a number of times. And it has to do with being able to simply say, if I'm not feeling I'm ready to have something jammed in me, just say, no, it's not happening. Right. So uh, self-advocacy. Exa exactly. Uh, I can get blood drawn. I can get immunizations, vaccinations, tests, things like that. I can, I can do all that uh, if I have a week's notice and have time to mentally prepare. And when it happens, I'm in an environment where people recognize that I need to go into trance in order to do it. Right, I understand. It's, it's it's actually possible to take me to a place where I won't even notice it's happening. Yeah, that's and awesome. This, and this has been tested and it has been proven not Absolutely. only with the not only with the needles, but also with the blood pressure thing. I've had many examinations, and I've and uh, when they were ready to put me on the on the, I'll, I'll give you two examples that uh, just show the difference. Uh, with, with like having my blood pressure, my vitals taken. Every you know these days they put you on a machine, and um, and uh, in most of the cases. I would say to the operator, okay, uh, you understand that this kind of thing can make me woozy, so you got to tell me a story. <laughs> and so they'll tell me a story, and then what has happened most of the time is then they'll say, after they finish the story, they'll say, uh, sir, you realize you're just holding your arm up in the air. We've already taken all the sensors off. We took the cuff off. You're done. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So as I said, it's possible to get me to forget. Now, about a year ago, I had my vitals taken for something. And uh, the doctor just left me in the room and it seemed like this thing just kept squeezing me and squeezing me. And I, I took the cuff off and I just simply said that, uh, uh, and I just simply told her that uh, she left me in that room uh, after five minutes and supposedly couldn't get my vitals. And I just candidly don't believe that. Uh, so she can't, she couldn't have my vitals. And if that meant I wasn't going to be a patient, then so be it. Right. Understood. So let's get so let's now let's go a little bit deeper into the thought process that goes uh, with somebody who 
who walks with us. It is actually part of our thought process, those of us who have the severe cases of it, that we will analyze our chances of dying. So if somebody were to tell me that, well, it's this is something actually happened. Well, we believe that what you have is cellulitis, but there's like a 0.00004% chance that it might be something else. And we want to run tests. I'll say, you know, if it's only a 0.0004% chance that something's going to happen, that means I'm probably not going to die. So I don't need this. Mm, right. Uh, that thought process can go as high as 10 to 20%. I have been saying for three years now that our number one health crisis in the United States, it's not COVID, it's not, uh, it's not cancer, it's not heart disease, it's trypanophobia. Mm-hmm. You want to, and I'm not getting political here, I'm just expressing, this is where boundaries become an issue, and you'll see why I'm bringing this up. Um, you want to persuade people that it's in their own interest and also the interest of, our, of the general public that they receive some sort of, whether you call it a vaccination or some kind of whatever it is. There's even debates on what it actually is. And first you tell them that if they don't take it, that they're part of the problem and they deserve to die. And then beyond that, knowing that an estimated 50 million people, that's one in six in the United States alone, deal with some level of trypanophobia you call it the jab yeah right and then and then and then you wonder why people don't just go hook line and sinker for this thing mm-hmm. right and i'm thinking to myself if, if people heard of gamification have they have they understood the technology that we have available and how it's being used in the educational system and also and the continuing educational system for adults through the use of video games and interactive exercises. So if you play a video game, there's often some sort of thing where your character is walking through the scene and they go and pick something up or walk over something and it gives them a power boost or it increases their lives or something like that. Well, what if they positioned getting this shot as getting more lives or getting a power boost or, or getting superpowers. Mm, yeah. You, well, you might, you, you might, you might, to, it goes you back might, to mindset, right? I mean, yeah, but, yeah, it, it see, really is that pivotal point yeah. between, you know, we do have this incredible power and the, the incredible yeah. power is the power to choose. And so sometimes we have to choose things that aren't two great things. And sometimes, you know, it's just a matter of ethics to choose one or the other, but we do maintain that right. We have the freedom to choose. And I think that if we can expand that experience for Uh people and understand that that is really what self-efficacy is about, that we have the ability, we have the agency to be able to understand even in a conflict or in a situation where maybe it's not going your way and you're not sure that you have the ability to manage your psychology. And that is, that is an extraordinarily important um, skill to have, particularly as we move through such uncertain times. You may have also noticed that it didn't seem like I was really speaking all that viscerally. And I was speaking somewhat elliptically and circlically about this. Sure. So another thing we run into is when we have, and this happens to both men and women, 
where you have a history in your in your developmental cycle of getting browbeat into agreeing with other people's opinions or being uh, having your feelings subjugated to other people's expectations of your feelings, that this can translate itself into how you take care of yourself mentally, physically, emotionally, how you assert yourself in situations, how you set boundaries, and even how you ask for things that you want out of life. Here's a, here's another here's another thing. And I and I know that this is uh maybe a little bit different than where we originally envisioned, but I know you have a few points you want to cover and get to those in just a minute. But Kate, did you ever make any mistakes when you were growing up as a kid? Tons. I mean, that's okay. how I opened up. I mean, I, my, my life has been a massive stumbling, right. you know, stumbling so, ride. So did somebody ever, particularly your child, walk you through an exercise of having you repeat statements back to them that were basically you self-debasing? And one of the statements was, Kate, say you're sorry. And then say, I'll never do it again. Right. Does that does that sound like you or somebody sure. somebody you know? Sure. All right. So 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 what so what is that so what does that say? That um that uh that indicates that your natural process of discovering what is right and wrong of 100%. Lear, of learning that actions have consequences and how to deal with those consequences when they happen and also how to how to prevent negative consequences from happening in the first place. That's all being subjected to some authority figure essentially bullying you into silence. Sure. It's, and, 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 and that and, goes and, back and, to the, the and, and, you, but, but if you say, if you were in agreement with that, or if you feel powerless, powerless in that, that just goes back to the freedom conversation, right? Yeah. That it gets from external forces that reduce your sense of freedom and your internal agreement that you need to do it. You know why? For love. Yeah, there's three reasons why we lack courage to speak our truth. These are the three. It's either fear of outcome. It's going to just be too hard. I'm going to put all this work into this effort and the outcome isn't going to be what I want. Yep. Second one is it, the process is just going to be too hard. I just, I can't even start it. These are the three fears or the three pains. Yeah. The last one is fear of loss. Fear uh -huh. of loss of love, attention, fear of loss. So we agree because we want love. Right. Yeah. So this is the basis of what happens is we agree and we play small and we lose our sense of self-efficacy and being able to make choices or even connecting. We disassociate from our emotional body in order to survive <laughs> because yeah. we want love. We're humans. We're, we, we're supposed to be in a collaborative environment. Right. But yet how functioning are we if we have no ability to language our emotional experiences? It gets truncated yeah. and and, and shoved and filed in all these dysfunctional behaviors and habits and addiction. Yeah. So and it's really, it's pivotal to understand that much of it, of the, the work, certainly with my work with clients and groups and what I speak about wherever I am is understanding that we do at any given moment have the power to choose. And that means choose that you are awake, that you are yeah. aware of what's going on in your body somatically. Our first response to anything is somatics. We respond emotionally through the body first. Unfortunately, what's ha happened for so many people is they've disassociated from the body 
And they are just become an intellectual response. They talk their way through emotion and it's not going to work long-term. It's not going to work. So we only can disassociate from our emotional experience for so long. And it's my work and my commitment to have conversations around those um, so that we can, and coming up with tools and strategies. I mean, that's the ticket. There are strategies and tools Uh and all kinds of ways that are science-backed and research-based right back to neuroscience to help us make more positive, affirming choices in our life for sure. Right. And as far as I'm sorry, I'll never do it again. What if I'm not sorry? And what if, and, and who said I'll never do it again? Well, majority of the time that they, you know, you're going to do it again. I mean, even when you're <laughs> yeah. Speaking, right? yeah. So you become, you, then you become dishonest, not only to yourself, but others. Yeah. And, so it's yeah, a disassociation yeah. has begun. Yeah. And, and, and believe me, if, uh, if somebody was giving me a hard time and I, uh, and I gave them 10 times of a hard time right back. And then they got all in their feels and demanded I apologize or whatever. Uh, if I have to, I'll fake an apology, but I'm not sorry. I, in fact, I would do it again. Right. Well, you, yeah. it was because you found your voice along the way. You yeah. Know? And that's really important. And that's why you're doing the show, because you you appreciate the ability to speak your truth and you uh-huh. want to do that with other people. So that's the premise of the way you live your life. It's extremely important for you to speak your truth. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. No, another, another message that I think people get is um, they get told that so-and-so, whether it's a relative or a friend or somebody who annoys the, the hell out of them, they'll be told, but, but, but so-and-so they, they worship the ground you walk on and in their eyes, you can do no wrong. And my response to that is number one, I don't need or want their approval, their worship or their adulation. And number two, it actually creeps me out that that's how they feel about me. Well, and so my question would be to you is this, is that you weren't always that way and you had a pivotal point in your life and you don't have to share it, but I'm saying I'm just sort of coaching that you weren't always this way and you reached a point where you're like, I am not going to live like that anymore. And you made yeah. a choice. You made a choice and you're still pissed about it. Yeah. That you still are mad that uh-huh. someone told you to stop talking. And I revel in that and I celebrate uh-huh. that that whole process still pisses you off because that yeah. means you're going to stay in action. This is the thing I want listeners to hear is that we ask teenagers yep. this. this is the best way to get it what really fires people up what yep, we're, go, you yep, off? We're, we're going inside here the uh leaf blower is getting a little loud but yes, yes. let's go with this no, pissed no, off thing go with it is, it's just we go we go at what infuriates or pisses us off that yeah. usually is the fuel to some wonderful things so that's why i like to go and talk about the emotional things and hear it in people's voices and hear it in their stories I am a storyteller. I listen to people's stories. I ask questions and I just sit there and listen. And then all of a sudden I hear it. Like for you, you made it very clear that you are not going to sit down. You are not going to apologize. You are righteous and you are here to speak your voice. And I celebrate that. And it was a journey. It, uh, it certainly was. And, it, uh, and I've seen a lot of folks go, go through this. And the epiphany I've seen several of my friends have is usually around their second year in entrepreneurship. <laughs> uh, a lot, a lot, a lot of the first year or so comes easy because they find some angel or some referral partner that gets them going with business right away, or one really good client that they get well on. But then it gets to that point where they actually have to 
do business development where it's no longer that euphoric honeymoon like joyride. And this is where they start to run into things. This is where they have the projects that go sideways and they have to and they have to work with clients to get things on track again. And then they have the cases of prospects and referrals that come to them that they really should not be doing business with. My very few regrets that I have in entrepreneurship through all the ups and downs are with one exception, but except for this one exception, all of them are cases where I took on a client who was referred to me by somebody else, where from the very first moment I interacted with that prospect, I thought, I really shouldn't be here. Yeah, right, exactly. That's all my regrets right there. Right, yeah, I hear that. Yep, totally. Yeah, so I got to the point with that where a friend of mine wanted to become a client of mine, actually. And on paper, he checked off all the boxes. Uh, I love the guy. I think he's great. I, I celebrate his success all the time. And if he's listening, he might even know who he is. But something, just a few things that came up in the conversation when we were talking about doing business just gave me a feeling of, and the one that did it for me is when he said, you know, I don't, I don't know how well our project will go. And I understand that, uh, you know, that uh, I'm going to have to scrape my knees here. And I'm thinking we're already putting metaphors of physical harm into our relationship. (laughs) It's like, it's like, it's like, I got what he was saying that he wasn't going to expect me to deliver him a million dollars on the first shot. And he also understood that he had a learning journey to go through, but just something in the way he used that phrase and the tonality of it told me that I needed to set him free and help him find somebody who was more at the level to assist him with where he was in his journey than I was at the time. And to my knowledge, he found it because he ended up doing that project. And from what I heard, it went pretty well. I was very happy for him. Sure. It's great. Absolutely. But yeah, so I mean, just just going back to that, I mean, I really, I just want to say, I honor you and your ability to communicate that. And usually, uh, you know, it's like, what is it now that you're so clear on the frustration? I'm going to ask you a, a question. And so that is this, from one to 100, what percentage of you, and this is for all the people listening, what yeah. percentage of your potential have you tapped into, Adam? I'm going to answer you candidly and say maybe about 65%. Perfect. Average between high performers and you're a high performer is between 40 and 60, right? And I appreciate that. Damn, I was lowballing. No, but, but right? <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying, right? So understanding that statistic, it's that is for me, I'm like right on. That means 35%. That's where coaching begins because that's the stuff that excites me. Because it really is the magic is in listening to people's stories. And that's, it's so funny that we sort of turn this interview around, which is great. But then now seeing, right, how are you going to use this passion, this spiciness, this voice that you have to be able to change lives and affect change in people where people don't have a voice, right? You went from a person that couldn't hear and then you were given your hearing and then you got this really exclusive at home education that spawned an incredible 
curiosity and feeling like you had to come up from behind and yet you come into school and you're gifted and then you get thrown into all these courses where you've been continually tested and so I would just say to you I'm curious to see where you go in the next one to two years to infill that 35 percent yeah uh I mean I've read statistics that uh that human beings use less than 10% of their gray matter. And if they could use 5% more, how how incredibly powerful could they be? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. It's so good. It's so good. Thank you so much for playing with me. I really appreciate it. Oh, I, I as, I, as, I, as I said, I, I love turning the tables once in a while. Yeah, right. Yes, I know. Me too. <laughs> yeah. So so what? how, how can we do this on it? On a, on a daily basis. Uh, so what are some daily tips and habits that can get us that courage, clarity, and productivity? Because I think those are the three things that right on, on different days to different degrees, we could all use more of. I know Absolutely. I certainly, I, I know there are different days I could use more courage. There are days when I'm feeling foggy and clarity would be the thing. And then there are other days I just can't seem to get started. Absolutely. That's so awesome. Well, when we look at the high performance habits, I mean, there's six of them. I'm just going to go over them real quick. It's clarity, living with the purpose in clarity, knowing what you want, being consciously directed and having an engaged mind. There's energy, managing, regenerating, restoring energy, physical and mental, emotional and spiritual. We're also looking at necessity. Are you living with the sense of purpose every day? Productivity. Are you being effective and efficient with your time? Are you working yeah. on those things that are going to generate greater meaning when you put your head on the pillow and you go, yeah, today was good. Uh-huh. That number five is influence. Are you having the impact that you want to have on the people that you want to have it with? And number six is courage. Are you expressing your needs, speaking your truth and getting your needs met and your feelings are being articulated. Well, you would think that's not what courage is, but that's what it is under high performance habits. So high performance isn't about I'm achieving and I'm working hard. It's about consistently having this elevated sense of, you name it, peace, joy, love, respect, whatever it is for you, that's your high frequency. It's up to you to decide. Again, this is about choice. So what I will say to you is what people are most curious about with me is regards to energy. Kate, how come you have so much energy? Like I said, I had ADHD. I had to become a master at generating, restoring, and using my energy because I would have been in a whole lot of trouble (laughs) if I didn't. So a lot of it is focusing on how you are managing that. And I would say much of it is how are you caring for yourself? this goes back to your somatic body. I mean, I have an athletic background. If we're not taking care of this holy vessel, this body that all brilliance comes from, we're, you know, we're cutting ourselves short. So we can only be as good professionally as we are personally. And that's just a really, just a key important point. We have to care for our body. Um, I, I focus on daily habits. That's a big piece of it. So again, we look at externally, what are we doing to manage our life? And then internally, how are we setting our mindset? How are we journaling? How are we setting it? So each day we're clear on how we want to experience the day. My question to you guys are, how do you want to feel at the end of the day? When you rest your head on the pillow tonight, what is the experience that you want? This is called future casting. It's not taught in school, boys and girls, but it is much of what coaching is about, particularly for me. 
We future cast our experience and then we back it up. We back cast to live a life of greatness. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be communal. We are not built to be isolated individuals. So let's just think about ways we're going to build deeper relationships around us, speak our truth, and get after that percentage that you've decided that you want to fill, that you won't be satisfied at the end of the day if you don't fill it. Right. I, you know, I think what's really also important in that is that we understand that we can do things on our own terms. So I'm going to ask you a, a question. You know, we talk about taking care of the body and taking care of fitness. So what does that mean? Well, it is what does self-care and self-honor and respect look like, right? We're right back right. to that tripod. So that's our emotional, our mental, our mental, our physical, and our spiritual. So self-care is, are you getting enough hydration? I'm a weight training girl. It's the way my drug of choice. So right. I've been weight, weight training since I was 21. I compete in bikini competitions and I'm, let's just say I'm 55 plus. Okay. So I find that I need to exercise the body or I can't manage myself as well. So exercise, another thing that's very geared in neuroscience is you need to get light in your eyes in the morning. You must get 15 minutes of light in your eyes. Go outside and take a walk. It boosts your dopamine, boosts your productivity. Tune in to the neuroscience. Follow Andrew Huberman uh -huh. on Instagram. He is a phenomenal neuroscientist that makes science mainstream. And it's brilliant. We owe this an obligation to ourselves to take care of our body. Why? Why limp our way to the finish line? Let us all rise together. And that requires us to take care of ourselves. Yeah, you know, Kate, about a year or so ago, I began a, a multi-step transformational journey. So the first thing was, is uh, I had a detailed consultation done on my personal image, which means I saw a certified uh, image consultant and did all those things with the color mapping, determining my seasonal mix and having all kinds of measurements done to determine, among other things, that I am truly, literally a broad-shouldered man. Uh, so for you ladies out there who like broad-shouldered men, I'm one <laughs> of them because my body is asymmetrical where my shoulders are four inches wider than they're supposed to be. That's among the discoveries we made. So that's mm -hmm. the level that I got into uh, in terms of determining things like body type, wardrobe, expectations along those lines. And I invested in a complete wardrobe overhaul that uh, I did in alignment with what I discovered through the, the body type analysis and the color analysis and the seasonal analysis, but based on my terms. Now, I had folks come to me saying, you know, uh, you could stand to lose a few pounds. Why are you, why are you doing all this stuff? You, you, re you really got to just go to the gym and lose weight. I said, I, I have not felt comfortable in the clothing I've worn for about 10 years now. It impacts me. I think uh, I see my, I see my professional headshots. I don't feel in alignment with my own picture on the screen. Uh, I feel that I'm a walking catfish. This is the, this is the first level we need to solve. We'll get to the weight thing. So I did that first. And then uh, and then I spent most of the past year working on business transformation. And we made a lot of strides there. 
Now I'm working on changing my living situation to something that's more optimized toward me and not other people's expectations of what it means to live a quote-unquote wealthy lifestyle. And then the body stuff is going to come next in a couple months. Right on. See, well, see, have see, I, I have a new book coming out called Claim Your Inner Hottie. Yeah. See, it's well, my I, system. I'll be mailing yeah. it to you. So you got to make okay. sure to say. Cool. But, but, <laughs> yeah. but, but my point being is, yeah, we can always work on different things. Uh, and also mixing that, I, uh, you know, I worked on other aspects of my personal life, which we don't need to get into much detail on here, but you get the picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I still kept hearing, but, 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 you know, you know, you got to put your physical fitness first. I said, yeah, it matters to me, but it's not the most important thing. I'll get to it when I get to it. And as of you and I having this conversation, I'm getting close to it because it's yeah, coming up right. on the list of things I was working on. Well, because I, that's going to be part of your 35%. You exactly. know it. If yeah. you know you can accelerate your success by putting uh, your physical care. So listen, I started lifting weights in, ni- er, in the early 1980s. There was no women in the gym. I, oh, yeah. was, I was completely, it was like, if I had to take a pee, I had to ask someone to watch the door because there was one bathroom, swear to God. Yeah. So I'm growing up, I grew up from a place where you were stupid if you lift weights, women didn't lift weights. And so it's now we have this opportunity to know that actually taking care of our body is sacred and it actually makes you freaking smarter. Like, duh. Oh yeah, yeah, and it, it, it's everything, and it has everything to do with your energy too. Uh, and, and I'm and I'm also saying that we have so many things that we need to or can accomplish in our lives that we sometimes need to prioritize them. And at the time, a year ago, I just had higher priorities. So I would, uh, I would quote uh, a snippet from an interview that the late Jackie Gleason did with Hugh Downs on I think it was 2020 in 1981. Now, this occurred three years after Jackie Gleason had uh, open heart surgery. Uh, I think I think they had him on the table for something like 16 hours mm. um, as a result of the damage that had been done to his entire coronary system. That he had caused. That he had caused through his yes, well-known exactly. great so one lifestyle. So let's own it, that he had caused his suffering. Yes, yes, okay, yes. Okay, so, 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 so now uh, Hugh Downs is narrating what happened, and then you cut to... And you see it on the screen. You have Jackie Gleason there. He's got a cigarette and a glass of scotch. Yeah. It's like, yeah. wait, what? And so I have the quote right here. And, and Jackie said, I figured if they fix me, they fix me. That meant I could continue to smoke, although it's a stupid habit. And I drink as much as I used to. That's arrogance and stupidity. And right? it, and it's and it, and it, it was also his choice to prioritize 100 uh, percent li- li- yeah look living at that now and to he, think he, that he was role we know. modeling that we that know he, we know it. we know he died six years later right. but uh but the point but the point that i the reason i brought that up as an example is that everybody has the power to make that decision and uh apparently living for a long time and being vital was not as important to him as having a good time. Well, hundred that was his. That was but that was that was completely his you, choice. We do have an obligation as role models, and I just think that 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 is very, very, very important. That we look at who is watching us. Are you choose? Do you want to inspire people, or do you want to enable people? 
And that it's that was a day in time. And now if we did that, we look at that. It, it, that is a different time, right? That was and, 1981. And this is 2022. Yeah, I, right, right, exactly. So we know it's a, it's a different time. But I believe that there's a personal responsibility to come at, to be as healthy as possible because I'm role modeling for other people. It's not a small thing to step in and be a spokesperson for the highest and best version of you. There right. are days I don't feel like it, Adam, but I know people are watching me and I need to stay in an ex excellence game. Because if right. I'm looking to have people be in an excellence game, I need to be in the excellence game. And that's the challenge of personal development. I always have to be one chapter ahead. <laughs> so it keeps me going. But the good news is I have fun with it. And I get to have conversations like this with you. Well, see, so I have to go, Adam. I have to go. I have well, to we are, well, we are. Because we well, we are, are done. We are, we are done. done. Yeah, we're at the top of the hour here. So we killed was, it, didn't we? I was actually just about to say uh, all that's left is for me to share your invitation <laughs> with our audience. Right and on. it is a free copy of your book. Claim your inner badass. Yes. This book is for anyone who's feeling stuck and is looking for a breakthrough so they can gain inner peace, confidence, and live in alignment with your values. And it's a long Kajabi link. So look in the show notes I'll if you're on you a, our I'll websites. Send you a link, a yep. short one. Well, we'll send that, you a short one. That's perfectly fine. Our listeners can, can scroll down on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow, find the episode, and you will see the link where you can get that free copy of Claim Your Inner Badass. I myself right will be on. getting in for that as well. So with that, uh, I'll Kate send McKay, you it. I'll mail you one. So that's yeah, good. people can also go to Kate, um, you know, kate-mckay.com, my website, and follow me um, or we follow each other and yeah. I am Kate McKay on Instagram. And I look forward to, uh, to hearing from you, Adam, again. And I look forward to hearing your progress as you raise your A-game and become the badass that you are 10x can you imagine Woo! yep and yeah yeah and you got to let me end the show here too so as i like to say thank you so much for being with us today kate it's been an honor and believe me in education okay i appreciate it thank you so much for having me we trust you enjoyed today's episode of the business creators radio show check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com while you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.